in a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries. One group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Dennis Matouche. Jeff Mazuka. Each week, we take a look back at one movie that is reaching that 30-year milestone. Whether you love seeing these films in the theater or enjoying them for the first time at home, we invite you to join us this year as we travel back in time to 1986. I am your host, John Reed, and you're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. All right, this is episode number 74, marching on to 75, which I guess will be next week, um, of the 30-something movie podcast. Thank you for joining us once again. This time around, we're going to be talking about Crocodile Dundee uh, and doing all of our most excellent Australian accents. Crikey. Okay, that's the best Bo can do. Jeff, you got anything? No. Okay, that's really good. Pat, what do you got? Good, man. You're good? I'm good. All right. So, one out of four ain't bad. Wait, we're leaving it up to Bo? Yeah. So now Bo's, he's got something, So Bo's, Bo's going to speak in an Australian accent the entire time. No, man. Crikey! Wait, hold on. This this is a trick that I learned um, by looking it up on the internet. Um, if you say the word rise, rise, up, up, and lights, now say it faster. Rise? No, just in a normal. Rise up lights. Yeah, you just said razor blades in an Australian accent. Oh, that's uh-huh. good. I See? like that. There you go. Ri- was it rise, rise up? up lights? Rise up lights. You just said rise, razor yeah, blades. Yeah, razor blades. Sure there enough. How about mm-hmm. that? Yeah, tried that with an Australian person that I know. They didn't think it was funny. Oh, so, that's too bad. But you know what? <laughs> yeah, who their, cares? Their country started as a prison, so <laughs> too bad. Um, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Good eye. Yeah, <laughs> good eye. <laughs> anyway. Leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, it's okay if you give us five stars. It's okay if you give Jeff 17 stars, because he don't do math. Math is hard. It is hard. That's true. Um, so we promise not to let it inflate our egos, because um, for the most part, we're all pretty inflated here anyway. Um, but then you can go tell your friends, tell complete strangers, tell everybody to listen to the show. Um, I am joined by my co-host this time around. Bo is here. I. Okay. Hefe is here. I'm regretting a lot of things right now. Okay. <laughs> is it just because you're sitting across from Bo? Yes. Okay. Uh, Patrick is here. Hey, hey. It's Pat. A lot of people say, what's that? It's Pat. Um, and I am your host. So uh, we are going to jump have, right have on into... Have you shown into... that to Pat yet? Yeah, I did he show did. that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so he finally knows the It's Pat thing. No, it took him his entire Yeah, I, I've seen it. That's it. That's all I got. Um, I don't have a whole lot of new movie news, but there is something. And, and of course, we're recording a lot of these episodes very early because we're booking out of here. It is the last yeah, day of school. Yeah, this one's going or... up in June, and currently it's March 7th. It's Hopefully not that's March not too se- early. No, you're lying to people. It's not March 7th. They don't can't see that. They, they can't see our calendar yeah. here. By the way, um, X-Men Apocalypse will be amazing. No, it won't. I heard it. No, okay. I, I don't even think you could. Oh, is that talk, it? Talk. Is what? Huh, okay. What are you doing? No, no, I was, it's funny, you were talking about new movies. Mm. I was trying to figure out recently, back in my head, I was like, oh, there's something out I'm supposed to go see. What? 
I think that's it. Oh, X Men. Yeah, oh, I don't think it's been you're out for a little while, isn't it? I, I still want to go see it. It's I, been I've, out for I've, two I've heard weeks. not great things about it. Yeah, but is it a superhero movie? Well, yeah, I'll but... still go see it. Exactly. I mean, I'm gonna probably yeah. see. You it. are such yeah. a superhero whore. I am. That's not very nice. I haven't said but anything not... mean to you yet. Yeah, but is he wrong? But I guess you've opened like the floodgates, so now I can say whatever I want to you. I don't know about whatever you want. And really, why should that be different? Why it would be different than day? any other day? <laughs> All right. Well, the only new movie news thing that I have, and, and at the point people listen to this, it may be a little old, but um, in the news in the last week or so, last few days, um, there has been some rumor flying around that Disney is not so excited with the product that they have so far in Star Wars Rogue One. That the Disney executives have said... Um, they want to change some of the tone of the movie and that it's going back for four weeks of reshoots. Um, now, normally that's not a problem. Like, all movies do reshoots. reshoots. Four they weeks have is a lot Four weeks is a lot. Reshoots. Most movies are like one to two weeks. That's like half a movie. Right. That's not so good. So, most movies are one to two weeks. This one supposedly is four weeks. And again, a lot of this stuff, I think, is still speculation. I don't know that any of this has been officially um, announced, but... Some of the speculation was that they wanted to change the tone of the movie because it was more serious than what they wanted. They wanted it to be still a more lighthearted movie, just like the other Star Wars movies were. Um, some people have kind of fired back and said, that's "Well, too well, bad," because I was kind of well. That's I think that's, that's what some of the fans have said. Something is, with some meat to it, a little this dark. This is a maybe. different right. This is a different kind of Star Wars movie. Because that it's always been my favorite thing about Star Wars is it wasn't pristinely clean. It was dirty. Mm-hmm. Dirty's right. okay. Jeff? <laughs> I'm regretting sitting across from Bo. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> I've been trying to make him regret it for a long time. <clears throat> we can we can play musical chairs here in a little bit. Everybody get up and move one chair. So I does that does that worry you at all about it or Um Anything that goes through that much reshooting worries me because you're always afraid of where the creative control of that second set of shoots is coming from. Are they able to get? Are they able to get the people back who did the original just to fix it, or are they trying to completely erase that vision? Because anytime you're trying to make a movie with two visions, I think you end up with Batman versus Superman. I, I'd say that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said that out loud. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with you. Yeah. So <laughs> is that what their problem is? Like they just say Star Wars isn't like Disney. I think I, the, the rumor that's going around is that the Disney executives, the Lucasfilm people, have said we really like this movie. The Disney people have said. It's not, maybe there's not enough uh, light moments in it. Like, it's almost too dark. It's almost too, it's too much of a war movie, which I think some people, I was kind of excited. I was like, oh, a different take on on Star Wars. Like, to me, that was when I used to read the Star Wars novels, the books that weren't the mm-hmm. movies, the one, the extra, what they call the expanded, Extended, the expanded, expanded universe, universe. The expanded well, universe. I really like those. Like, they had a whole series, um, the X-Wing series, mm-hmm. and it was more the war-type stuff. There weren't a whole lot of Jedi involved. It was just war stuff. It was military stuff. And I liked those books. And when Good. this, when they announced this movie and they said what it was going to be, I thought, oh, cool, this is kind of like an X-Wing book come to life, even calling it Rogue One. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this is an X-Wing book come to life. And I was okay with that. I don't mind this being a different tone than other Star Wars movies, just like, I guess some of the Marvel movies, no, that's not true. They do have different tones. Like, they're not all as lighthearted as Guardians of the Galaxy or Ant-Man. Um, but I guess they do have kind of a similar 
theme running through them in terms of, you know, they've got some moments of levity and you've got some sense of humor in there. It's, it's not all dark and gritty. Um, I'm also wondering, since they've kind of locked down, or it seems like they've locked down the guy who's going to play the new Han Solo, I'm wondering if some of the reshoots are to try to throw him into this movie. Hmm. See, now I think they're trying... That's that, almost trying too hard. If that's the case, you're trying to shoehorn him into a universe he doesn't belong to yet. I mean, he, well, not universe, but... But is it like what, is it like what Marvel's been doing? Because Marvel's Disney as well. Is it like what they've been doing where they're like, oh, hey, we're going to throw Black Panther into the Captain America movie. And then that's how you get him introduced. And but yeah, I feel like, I, I guess, depending on where you set it in the timeline, Rogue One could very easily have absolutely nothing to do with Han Solo, and that mm-hmm. would be just fine. Rogue He's going to have his own thing. They're right. going to do some early stuff, which is exciting, too, because I don't know if anyone went back and read any of those, the original Han Solo trilogy that was written back in, back yeah. when the first movies came yeah. out. Yeah, oh, those, were, those, those were rough were to read. They were. Yeah. But there were two different sets of trilogies. The one set mm-hmm. was a little rough. The other set was kind of cool. Yeah. What and was the cool set? The ones they did in the 90s? Yeah. Yeah, oh. those were better. The newer set was... A, the older set was kind of... I don't even know how to describe it. A little bland. Yeah, it was. They were just trying to throw some stuff out there yeah. and make some money. Um, but they, they finally did some good stuff with that. And I'm, I'm afraid that if they want to include him in this, they're going to ruin some of that. And I don't like yeah. So I don't know. So I don't know if, if some of this is to try to throw him in there, you know, like the, like what they did with Spider-Man. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they went back and did reshoots for Captain America Civil War to put more Spider-Man right. into the movie when people got all excited that Spider-Man was going to show up. Once they announced him, they're like, oh, Spider-Man's going to be in the movie. And then people went nuts, and they're like, oh, why don't we go back and reshoot some stuff so that we can have more Spider-Man? Um, so I, if it's going to be something like that, I mean, there was nothing about... Spider-Man in the Civil War movie that I had a problem with. So if they can do it right and do it that way, then I don't. If that's why they're doing some reshoots, I don't mind. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I need Rogue One to have the same, like the exact same look and feel of a traditional Star Wars movie. I don't mind it being a little bit different. I wouldn't mind a war movie set in the Star Wars universe, which is kind of what I thought we were getting anyway. Yeah, I would agree. I think I was. I had a lot of hope for that movie. I hope they don't ruin it just because of just because it's not a kids movie enough for Disney. Right. Alrighty. Well, this time around we are talking Crocodile Dundee. Uh, this one came out September 26, 1986, rated PG. Uh, the director was Peter Feynman. Uh, he did the Paul Hogan show and movie called Dutch. Uh, producer on this one was John Cornell. He did the Paul Hogan show and he produced and directed Crocodile Dundee 2 and Almost an Angel. Uh, writer on this one was also John Cornell. Uh, he wrote The Paul Hogan Show and a TV movie called Hogan in London. Uh, Paul Hogan was one of the writers as well. He wrote for The Paul Hogan Show, Hogan in London, Crocodile Dundee's 1 through 3, um, Almost an Angel, and Lightning Jack. Ken Shady was also a writer. He did some Australian TV shows. Music in this one was done by Peter Best. He did Crocodile's, uh, Crocodile Dundee 1 and 2 and Muriel's Wedding. The budget for this one was $8.8 million. The box office was $328 million, so it done okay. Yeah, it did just fine. Mm-hmm. Crikey. Uh, there we go. There it is. See, I, I appreciate the effort. That was half-assed, but okay. anyway. Well, you know. All right, so starring in this one, Paul Hogan played Mick Dundee. He was in Crocodile Dundee 1 through 3, Almost an Angel, Lightning Jack, and Flipper. That classic movie. Um, Linda Kozlowski, who eventually became Linda Hogan. 
Um, who and, played Sue Charlton. The Nut. And The Nut, right. Um, she was in Crocodile Dundee 1 through 3, Almost an Angel, and the 95 version of Village of the Damned. Uh, John Malion uh, died in 1989. He played Walter Riley. He was in Crocodile Dundee 1 and 2 and a movie called Walkabout. Uh, David, I'm going to mess this name up. David Gulpilil? Gulpilil? Excuse you. Gallipoli. Gallipoli. No, it's not Gallipoli. Anyway, he played, no, the, uh, he played the Aborigine character Could Neville Bell. Uh, he was in a movie called Rabbit Proof Fence, which is an excellent movie if you want to go see some good Australian movies. Um, the Tracker and Australia, which from what I hear was not as excellent a movie. But that's okay. I'm not, not a huge Nicole Kidman fan, so. Hugh Jackman fan. I do like him, but not a Nicole, not a Nicole Kidman fan. Uh, Steve Rackman played Donk. Um, he was in Crocodile Dundee 1 through 3 and was a professional wrestler in Australia. Reginald Vell Johnson played Gus, the driver. He was in Die Hard 1 and 2, Turner and Hooch, and the TV show Family Matters. Carl Winslow. There we My go. Guy. Um, Mark Blome played Richard Mason. He was in Desperately Seeking Susan, Blind Date, and Shattered Glass. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave this one a 90%. The audience gave it a 59%. Um, oh. So. I was surprised when I saw that, too. Yeah. Um, which is funny because a lot of the critics did not give it a good rating when it came out. So I don't know if this 90% came up after the fact or um, if that's people jumping on the bandwagon. So Siskel said for this one, he gave it a thumbs down, uh, but for this one he said, the lesson here is that there is a massive audience that wants clean, wholesome entertainment. It may be a slightly older audience and they may not go to the movies often, but they will go when they hear from their friends that it's safe to go to the movies again. And Ebert said um, something to the effect that Americans like this because they're looking at themselves from an outsider's point of view, and Paul Hogan pulls off a Jimmy Stewart-esque honesty and innocence. And Ebert gave it a two-star review. Cinema score, uh, so people leaving the theater, rated this one as a B+. Um, this movie did win a few awards. Um, it was nominated for an Oscar for Best Writing uh, Screenplay. It won a Golden Globe uh, for Paul Hogan for Best Actor. It was nominated for uh, Best Motion Picture Comedy or Musical and was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role for Linda Kozlowski. And there were a couple of other awards as well. What do you think he meant by it's safe to go back to the movies again? Yeah, was this at a time What, what was going on that... Or what, what was happening in, in movies that people felt that they can't go yeah, see movies? Yeah, that's kind of... It's, it's a weird it, comment. Is it the, you know, because like, we, we talked last year about the creation of the PG-13 rating. Is it that people thought oh. maybe with the, <coughs> huh. with the creation of PG-13 rating that they were stretching those PG movies oh, into filth, something flarn, less filth, appropriate? Flarn filth at the yeah. movie theaters? Is I don't that, know. I, that's, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe I have guess to go back and watch I mean, the, was, the movies with them and see what they say. It was a tame movie. I mean, there wasn't anything. No. Okay. Because you had, I mean, because you had... Well, the whole reason for it, you had Gremlins and you had um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom that were rated PG. Right. And maybe people saw that coming to theaters. They saw it rated PG and they're like, oh my God, if this is a PG, then I don't know that I should be going, seeing, going to see movies anymore. Okay. I, I don't know. That's just my... Yeah, that's no, better thought that, than I Yeah, that, that makes sense. That's my speculation just, on it. That, that comment just kind of caught me off guard. Like, what, what? Yeah, I was kind of... When I first read that, I was, there? Yeah, when I first read that, I thought the same thing. So neither one of them really liked it. You know, Ebert gave it a two stars and, and Siskel gave it a thumbs down. So not huge fans of it. 
Um, this movie is uh, about an American journalist, Sue Charlton, who heads to the outback to find the real-life Tarzan, and she gets more than she bargained for with Mick Dundee. They explore the Australian countryside together and begin to fall in love. When Sue has to return to New York City, she challenges Mick to come with her and explore her territory. Well, that kind of sounded bad. Um, although well, Mick... I think she meant it that way, so <laughs> no, it's fine. she didn't, but... Um, yeah, anyway. Okay. <laughs> well, say. great. We just took the wholesome entertainment and turned it bad. <laughs> you know, please let me know when it's safe to talk about movies again. It's not. It won't ever be. With uh, this group? No. No. Although Mick shouldn't quite fit in once he's in New York, he manages to charm everyone from hookers to senators and ultimately gets the girl in the end. He was raised in the land down under, where a man thinks on his feet, speaks with his fists, and lives by his wits. Two beers, all right? One for me, one for me, mate. A legendary figure about to encounter a world more treacherous than any he has ever known. G'day. Big Dundee from Australia. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Just came down for a couple of days. Probably see you around. Fine. This your first trip to New York? First trip anywhere. Well, we might just have to give you one for free. <laughs> yeah. One more. How are you finding New York? Get a balloon to take us along. That's why I love it, because I fit right in. G'day. Hello. Sorry. G'day. Look. Well, if you can manage, Walt, I'd like to stay a while. Wouldn't have anything to do with a certain lady writer, would it? Paramount Pictures presents... Your pal, Senor Meek. Paul Hogan. Um, hey, my man, what's happening? Uh, where? As Crocodile Dundee. You got a light, buddy? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And your wallet. He's got a knife. That's <laughs> not a knife. Crocodile Dundee. So some background on this one. Paul Hogan would have been known to American audiences at this point as a spokesperson for the Australian Tourism uh, Board before Crocodile Dundee. So apparently there were a series of uh, commercials that were on TV trying to encourage people to come to Australia because um, there was growing interest in Australia as a country and a culture, and Paul Hogan was kind of the spokesperson for that on TV commercials, so people would have been familiar with him that way. Uh, Crocodile Dundee was the second highest growing, grossing movie in 1986 behind Top Gun. Uh, there was an alternate ending that they wrote for the movie in which Sue reaches the subway station and Mick is already gone, off to explore the United States. That would have been good. You, you would like that one better than the I, I, ending I think, that we got? Well, I think it would have led into a better sequel. Okay. Where he's off exploring. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, 
Um, this movie was financed primarily by Hogan, Cornell, and the majority of the cast and crew from Australia. Um, what was interesting was you can even find, if you search online, there's a prospectus um, that someone has scanned in, and it is what was sent out to, actually sent out to the public in Australia, and they said, if you would like to, we want to try to get a big blockbuster movie about Australia out there and in American theaters. If you want to help us finance this movie, here's how you can donate to the movie. Kind of, well, I guess kind of the earliest version of a Kickstarter. So apparently a lot of the other people that were involved in the movie were also financing the movie. So hmm. that was kind of interesting. Uh, there have been some rumors of a remake for several years. Um, or possibly a sequel. The rumor that I saw most recently was talking about starring Chris Hemsworth, um, Thor, from the Marvel movies. Um, but neither Paul Hogan or John Cornell have announced any plans to do any kind of a sequel or, or remake. Well, they did a couple of sequels already. I was going to say, they did. They, by the time and, they did and those number were not three. Great. No, number three was not good. Two, yeah, two was okay. I actually liked two. But two was three, okay. I, to be honest, I've never seen three. I didn't. I saw the commercials for that one when it came out, so and I ignored by it. By the time three came out, my issue with it is that they still had uh, Crocodile Dundee as it was a, still a fish out of water story. Mm -hmm. So he was still naive to the ways of the United States of America, um, to the point where like he has a buddy of his from Australia come and visit him, and they go to a Wendy's to order dinner, and he pulls up to the drive-through and he hears this voice and he's confused and he thinks he's talking to Wendy so he keeps addressing the voice as Wendy and I just remember jokes old I, I just remember like at this point I think you would have figured out if you America spent, if you spent that much time in our country yeah like, you've gone through a drive but there, there, there were just so many of those gags that you're just like I don't know how much of a, a how, how much out of water this fish really is at this point. Yeah, well, I guess not knowing the sequels at all, to be honest, I'm wondering what the passage of time is supposed to be from one to three, and I have no idea. I, yeah, I, I mean, it's really, it was really unique. It was it was a fun. I, I don't know how unique, but I mean, at the time, at least, I mean, that was cool. You know, the, it was. But by the time the second one rolled around, I think it was if you liked the first one. It's going to be a lot of the same stuff in the second one. I think then they go back to Australia. The story's a little... But as far as a remake, I mean, it's just... Why? Creative. That'd be yeah, my question. Write your own story. Why? What, what are you going to do with this? That? Yeah, well, but is it any different than any fish-out-of-water story? I mean, at that point, aren't they better off not even calling it Crocodile Dundee, but write yourself a fish-out-of-water story? That's from, my point, yeah. You, just, know, you know, why... What is the part of the Crocodile Dundee trope that they say oh let's do that again yeah like it's capitalizing on a on an age group now that will hear that title and think oh i remember that movie when i was right. a kid okay. i think i think it, it plays to an audience that's our age yeah but i think you also don't have the same interest in australia that you did back in the 80s and i think if you were going to make a crocodile dundee let's say if you did a remake or even a sequel I think your time to do that would have been when Steve Irwin was doing his thing on TV. Yes. When there was some, there was another figure out there that was making Australia or Australians interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think if you didn't make it then, I think you're in a point now where there's some good Australian actors out there, um, but I don't know that people are as interested in Australia as a culture and a land that they were before. I also don't think it's as mysterious of a culture and land as no. it was... 
I mean, I'm trying to think of a more recent fish out of water story. Uh, Rush Hour. Okay. Coming there you to go. coming to America. Yeah, it's not that recent, Chief. No, I know. Rush I'm Hour. Just, play. Just, Rush Hour, though. It's a yeah. very good. Play. I'm, just, I'm just thinking so like that worked from after. because it was. I don't know if people really think of Australia as that foreign anymore. The world's smaller. I think there's a lot of. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think that's like what we're all saying is that I think the world is smaller, and I think a lot of people there's more travel there. There's more tourism. There's more. Rush hour had the language gags. You can't really. I mean, you have some accent gags, but how many mm-hmm. shrimp on the Barbie jokes can you make? Right. Well, in Russia. Well, and you had some of the you had like the slang gags. Yeah. It's like the what's happening. I don't know where. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it was a and it was a marsh. It, it introduced Jackie Chan to non right, right. N, you know non cult movie. I now, mean, if the mm-hmm. Australian Tourism Board wants to make the movie because they think somehow it'll help, well, right. okay, maybe that's their angle too. Right. I don't know the remake thing. I, I did that. Or like you said, okay, Jackie Chan was was part of introducing him was part of that rush hour thing. If there's some actor that, that the Australian movie companies want to put out in front of everyone, maybe that's why they do it. But don't use Chris Hemsworth, who everyone well, already knows. But the whole Jackie Chan using rush hour to introduce Jackie Chan, I think, like maybe to a different audience because he had. Quite right, that's my point. Is that it, films going? Right, it brought some of my favorite films are uh, like Rumble, Who Am I? Rumble in the Bronx. Rumble in the Bronx is great. Mm-hmm. Who Am I is friggin' outstanding. Right, I'm saying it. I think it brought Jackie Chan to a more mainstream non martial arts movie audience. I, I you know, mm-hmm. um, okay. That's that was my point. Just in the comparison to Jackie Chan, yeah. I mean, people knew who was, and he had the body of work and everything like that. But I think Rush Hour was his first. I mean, they even said. You know, in many ways, like the comparison, his old movies were like you'd spend three weeks choreographing a fight scene. In this, you'd spend a half hour choreographing a fight scene and like three weeks doing. I mean, anyways, I'm I'm getting off the crocodile Dundee thing, but I think it brought him, not necessarily inter, definitely not introduced him, but just like you said, brought him to a wider audience, to a mainstream audience, mm-hmm. to. Mom, Dad, this is Jackie Chan. These are the all the movies I've been watching. You got to come check this out. Here's a movie you might like better, and it kind of introduces you to him was well and knowing that movies are being becoming much more international than they used to be like it used to be that America would get movies first yeah because I remember living in England sometimes we we wouldn't get movies until maybe like three months maybe even four months after the states did now a lot of times Europe is getting movies before the US they're including a lot of Chinese actors because China what have they said like in two years China is going to surpass the United States in terms of box office numbers. Mm-hmm. So then when you're making movies, can you make that kind of cultural fish out of water type movie anymore? Like you still, I don't remember who it was that said it, but the world's a lot smaller place. Mm-hmm. So does this, would this movie work if it was made today? Can you still make this type of movie, I guess? Comedically, I don't think so. I think I think it had too much of that '80s kind of thing where it's like a more of a lighthearted look at things. And now, if you do fish out of water, I mean, because one of the things watching this, because it had been a while since I'd seen this movie, I think one of the things that I thought was funniest watching it now, it wouldn't have. I, I guess maybe it would have been a little funny then, but watching it now, the funniest part to me was seeing all the stuff that was so '80s. 
like the drug use, the cocaine stuff, um, the the way people were dressed at that mm-hmm. fancy party that they went to, um, that type of stuff. Like watching it this time, I'm like, oh, that's kind of funny. They're making fun of the '80s, but then I had to remind myself, oh, wait a minute, no, not really. They're still in the '80s, so they're just showing this. To me, watching it now, I was like, oh, this this kind of feels like we're, we're poking fun at this a little bit. It's a satire of it, but no, because they would have been smack dab in the middle of the 80s at the time. Yeah. So maybe it's that. Maybe you can kind of, maybe you can poke fun at a time period now, but maybe not as much a culture or a group of people and, and do that type of, that type of thing. Um, is there anybody, one of the things that I, I thought was kind of interesting, I think uh, how Siskel put it, was that Paul Hogan's Crocodile Dundee was very much a Jimmy Stewart Type character. Do we have any Jimmy Stewart characters now? You know, that kind of attitude and that kind of honesty and innocence that Jimmy Stewart kind of brought to a lot of his roles. Do we have anybody now that's doing that? I don't think of. I don't think of Paul Hogan's portrayal as Jimmy Stewart-esque. Oh, really? I, I think that was a pretty big stretch of okay. a comment. I, I, you know, yeah, he, he, you know, he was a a simpleton outback guy, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But I don't. I, <clears throat> I wouldn't sit there and go, "Yeah, I was like watching Jimmy Stewart." No. Okay. I hadn't thought of it that way, but then when I read when I read that line of his review, I thought, "Okay, well, I can I can see where he's coming from mm-hmm. with that." Like I can see I can see moments within the movie that he does have kind of this innocence to him that you know, even though he's the the, the Bushman from Australia, he does have this kind of charm and innocence to him that you know Jimmy Stewart brought to some of his roles. So what is something that, thinking about like a particular scene or something about this movie, what's one thing in particular you really liked about this movie? And maybe it's a scene, maybe it's a quote. The, <laughs> this, the, I forget the exact quote, it's the one about... Seven million people all wanting to live together. Yeah. New York must be the most friendly place in the yeah. world. And, yeah. And you can see, like, they, they, they pan out, and the, and the limo driver's like, eh, I'll just let you go with that thought for a little while and yeah. see how it goes yeah. for you. Yeah. Do we tell him? No. No, it's no. better not to. I'll be honest. I, I, I'm going to go. I mean, my brain's shot. Obviously, this is the last day of school, so my yeah, brain's a little shot. I'm going to take the easy way out. I just think that the whole thing worked well and just watching his characterization, like bringing that character to life, like he really kind of became the croc- became Crocodile mm-hmm. Dundee. It was just fun watching that character just do everything, like every scene, every interaction. And yeah, he was really believable yeah. as mm-hmm. that character. Th- okay, thank I, and, I, I and thought may- what I was going to say was crazy, but and, yeah. No, and no. maybe it's because like he wasn't well known, Yeah. so we have no other definition mm-hmm. of him. Right. Whereas, like you know, you take someone like Harrison Ford and try to put Harrison Ford into a role like right. that. We know, or, or Tom Hanks, or something like that, where we know them as so many different characters. Right. Here comes Paul Hogan. Okay. Yeah, and and he, he brought don't that know character. who the don't know who he is yeah. from anybody. No. Okay, yeah, this and seems legit. The way he acted, the scenes, the way the scenes were set. I mean, it's like a total picture. And you know, I think, you know, we get. I'm going to compare it to some of the modern movies that we've talked about. And I think I said this on one of the last podcasts where it's almost like, you know, what you hear about with drug use, where you got to keep, you know, your fix has to get stronger and stronger to, to kind of feed the monster type of thing. It seems like a lot of movies, we have a lot of movies now. 
there's, there's, I mean, maybe we have more movies now than then, whatever. But it's sort of like, there are not all a lot of really good movies. And I'll, I'll draw the example. Like, you know, we saw Batman vs. Superman. Okay, that, I, I think we all kind of enjoyed it, but no one could figure out why, and was it a really good movie, and okay. And it was like, well, maybe the actors didn't do, or maybe the story, what, there was some missing piece, but they threw it all out there, and hair explosions and everything. And then, you know, I, I haven't seen the new X-Men movie, but I've heard that that one was good-ish, but there were some things. And and then it's kind of the rare, like, like Captain America, the, the Civil War movie. I mean, we were all going bonkers for that movie, and why? Because it had the same thing that made this movie so good. The characters, the actors bring the characters to life. The writing is really well done. The humor isn't oversold, but it's funny. The action is exciting, but it's not just over the top and everything is getting blown up. It's it's a movie that's almost like just really nicely in balance. And I, I that's what I think of where you said, what's my what did I like about the movie? I, I couldn't pick a scene. It's it was just a really well balanced movie. I laughed. I you know I wanted the guy to get the girl at the end. I liked it when he pulled the knife out and cut the people up. I liked it. I, I don't know if that made sense or if that was a little bit I gotta I gotta narrow my scope a little bit, but that's just I, it was just a fun movie and really well balanced. I I would agree with all of that. Okay. <clears throat> like I I'll watch, if I see this movie on I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, occasionally you know I'll seek it out like oh I haven't seen this in a while I wonder if it's on Netflix I wonder if it's at the library because I remember watching it as a kid and loving the the outback stuff yeah. for sure as mm-hmm. a kid. Um, I think I mentioned in a podcast remember in my individual episode I dressed as Crocodile Dundee for Halloween one year. Cool. Like I just. It's it, it's a lot of fun. You can sit back and, like you said, because it's so well balanced, you don't even think about the ridiculousness of some of it. It's just so believable. You just go along with it, and, and then the, you know, yeah, you get the fish out of water stuff, which is funny. It's well done. But then he starts intermingling uh, his knowledge of survival in the outback and how well that seems to fold into living in New York or or, or navigating through New York. Yeah, you know, maybe it's a bigger commentary on we're not that different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which uh, that was kind of funny because then she kind of she kind of tells him, you know, I've I don't know if a country boy like you would would last very long in a big city like New York City, and just as you're saying, he gets there and he's probably doing a better job of surviving New York City than most of the New York City residents are. Yeah, right. So I so the, yeah, the movie had some depth, and that's why you know when you run into sequels. You run into the second one, it's like, okay, it's just kind of more of the same. It doesn't have that same spark and what makes the first one special. And then I didn't see the third one either, but I could imagine if, okay, we're now what are we doing? The movie's out of balance. Why? We're just focusing on the gag. The gag of a fish out of water. Well, and I think, and I think that. the success of this one surprised a lot of people. Because I, I think I watched um, Siskel and Ebert uh, on YouTube, and they have a lot of their episodes of At the Movies when they would review these. And I think I watched it, and I think both of them were like, I have no idea why this movie's doing so well, um, and I think that was kind of a surprise to a lot of people was that this would be the that this little Australian movie would be the second highest grossing movie behind Top Gun, and make three hundred and twenty eight million, kind of shocked the heck out of people. Um, so then I think probably if if I was going to speculate about the sequels, they probably looked at it and they said, okay, cool, this movie was a big hit. Let's take exactly what we did in this movie. More of the same jokes, slightly different situation. We'll stack. We'll we'll stick a two on the end of it. 
Yeah, do they don't break down when the money was made, do they? On any of these websites. I'm just I curious so. how much was, of that they had a, it, was made in that first year and how much of it has been residual. Yeah. Because you're right. It's obviously because mm-hmm. they made a lot of money and said, hey, let's do it again. Right. <laughs> well, and it was, in, it was released in Australia, I want to say, several months before it was released in the United States. Like almost was it six months. I don't remember what I read. It was maybe something like four months or six months that they released it before it came out in the U.S. And it made quite a bit of money in Australia first. Mm-hmm. And then when they released it in the U.S., it just it kind of took I off. I just thought of something. Did it hurt? Usually. Kind of intrigued if they were to make this movie today. Would anyone in Australia be offended? Where I feel like, I feel like right now everyone is so offended by, I don't know, everything. everything. I feel like you'd have half a country who thought you were portraying them as outback woodsy folks and might not like it because you. You have a you know you have a portion of Australia that is obviously quite city driven and you know it's a thriving. I don't know. I just yeah, just but curious. It, but at the I, same time, I think one of the things watching it this time around, you know, being an adult this time watching it, I, one of the things that I noticed sure that, that I oh, okay, being I'm, older. I'm old enough to be there an adult. You go, I don't act better. like an adult, but I'm old enough to be one. Yes, Jim. Yeah, you want to be careful when you get in your car before you go home. Every um, day. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I hope I planted the bomb under the right one. Um, oh, crap. Sorry. Uh-huh. sorry. Um, <laughs> happy summer. Happy summer. <laughs> um, one of the things I noticed was how each of the times that they, like it's you're almost going to make a caricature of the Australian people or the Australian culture, they flip that on its head. Oh, they, it just, I think and, they did a great job with it. I just feel like... These days, everyone is just so. But I feel like this movie, the but way don't, the, the don't way they have did it, to do that to be able to create a, a solid fish out of water story, you need to play up a certain character mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so someone or something doesn't fit in. Right, but I mean, like within the movie itself, I, I feel like the way they made it, they almost made the movie in such a way that if it could be offense proof, then it's offense proof because mm-hmm. not. I mean, they make these like. What would be a stereotypical, you know, make a comment about a stereotypical Australian outback bushman, and then it's like, oh no, 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 that's not really what it's like. So like they they took the stereotype and they corrected it within the movie. So as a kid watching this one, I remember there were several scenes, and as a kid, I probably would have just been cackling, laughing out loud at this. And I picture like my my own son when he watches something and he thinks it's funny, he's just he's howling. Like, the kid's almost going to pee his pants. He's laughing so hard at stuff. And there are scenes in this movie where when we watched it um, not that long ago, Sharon kind of turned to me and said, I can, I can picture you as a six-year-old child just howling at this particular scene. The one I'm thinking of in particular is when the poachers come and he's got the kangaroo with the rifle. Mm-hmm. And the kangaroo with the rifle is shooting at the poachers. Right. I would have been on the floor rolling around laughing at that scene as a kid. Um, and the whole, you know, that's not a knife, this is a knife thing. And yeah. That kind of stuff. So, same thing. As a kid, I loved this movie, and I think it's a movie that, even though even though later on in the movie, it's got some questionable stuff, like the hookers and the cocaine and the that other stuff, um, I think it's one that you could show to kids, and it probably would be okay. Just because the rest of it's 
the rest of it's pretty innocent. Even when you're dealing with the cocaine and the hookers and that's it, it's still dealt with in a very innocent way. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't think I'd have a problem showing this to John. I was going to say, it actually goes to your comment about being offense-proof. The more you say it, the more I've been thinking about it. I think they did a really good job of dancing that line mm-hmm. with, not just with the offense, but We might have to give you one for free. One what? One what? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, you know, that's a good point. They really did. They, whether they were consciously doing it at the time or not, they were trying to make a family movie and still show yeah. the gritty underbelly of New York through the eyes of an Australian Bushman. Yeah. I remember there were, there were parts of the movie I didn't understand when I was a kid, like the uh, at the party uh, when the guy's doing the cocaine. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. That didn't make sense to me. The hooker scene was... The, the hooker, yeah. like, all that stuff didn't make sense, but I didn't care. You didn't need it. It went over your head and it was fine because yeah. it wasn't and essential. To be honest, depending on how old your kid is, you're probably starting to drug talk with him a lot sooner anyway, too. Because, I mean, I mean, I hate to be the Debbie Downer of the thing, but, like... Well done. You know, yeah. But I mean, you know, I'm trying to think of the age of kids that you would show this movie to. Mm-hmm. And you're probably going to be starting that, hey, look out for drugs. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's so, I mean, yeah. I, I Not that this movie is going to cause conversation, you know. But, well, but maybe this would be. This would yeah. be a learner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what's going on there? What's well, that white what powder on the table? You got a student, yeah. Hmm. Why is that man dressed like a woman? Well, and look how that whole thing has changed in the last, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they hear those, I mean, you know, kids are hearing that stuff on the radio, like my son will hear, it'll be on the public radio. What is that? Well, how come, you know, can men marry men? Can women marry women? You know, he'll so just innocently ask those questions. We're taking the podcast in a different You don't direction. have to have that talk with your kids. You just have to show them Crocodile Dundee. It's right I'll there. answer there. all their questions. There you it go. will be. Anytime they're unsure, they just have to grab somebody's crotch to get a decisive answer. <laughs> well, that's what Reed does, but I mean... Uh, yeah. That's just how he says hello. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and goodbye, and come over here, and oh, bring me man. a sandwich. <laughs> that's right. Wait, who's bringing... <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh. I didn't know there were sandwiches involved. <sighs> lots and lots of editing. All right. <laughs> it's all my fault. I'm not here. You guys probably have perfect, clean podcasts. Yeah, no problems at all. No. No. Nothing but perfection. No, especially when Dennis is on here. Although he did a good job last time. He did. A good it was job all. Time. It was all about that ducking movie. Yes. That, you know. Um. All right. So, do we have a favorite quote? This is a fairly quotable movie. So, do we have a favorite quote? Well, I guess I already said the one about the New York. But the not necessarily a quote, more a bit, but the lens cap bit was good. I was going to say that one. It was probably trying to shy away from ones we've already mentioned, like that's not a knife, that's a knife, or stuff like that. I did like that one with the where she's going to take the picture of the of Neville, the Aborigine, mm-hmm. and uh, he goes, "No, no, no, you can't take my photograph." Oh, I'm I'm, I'm sorry. Will, you, will it take? You think it'll take your soul away? No, your lens cap's on. Was, I, to me, it was kind of funny stuff like that, like the playing on the stereotypes and the yeah. kind of flipping it on its head kind of thing. And I think it's funny how he just strikes up a conversation with anybody he wants and mm-hmm. makes friends with them. And I like guess when he's like, in the car and they get to the stoplight. Yeah, that's he's like, "Hey, Mick Dundee from Australia. I'm going to yeah. be here for a few days. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> maybe I'll see you around." Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, I just think that's that's just cool, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that so it's, if, it's the kind of personality you want to have. You want to yeah. be able to like walk into a room and just be yeah. like, and you feel like because he's Australian, he can get away with it. Out of the four of us sitting here, I think the one person that would most be that way would be Pat. 
would be me. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. totally. I can't do an Australian accent, though. Well, maybe not the accent, but I, I definitely see you as having that type of personality <laughs> where you can walk into a room, you're going to make friends with anybody and everybody, and hey, I don't know, maybe I'll see you around. Well, thanks, man. Good but, chatting with you. Cars, light turn green, car's going. Yeah. Catch you later. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, that's, I, but I think that's just cool. I think that's... Uh, don't you do that when you're riding your motorcycle? Yes. Yeah, like talking. if you get to a light, like, hey, by the way, Pat Canigallo. Well, honestly... <laughs> I'm running for office. You know what? Honestly, <laughs> yeah. if you're on a bike, it, like, there's been times I've, like, pulled up, some guy will pull up next to you on a bike, and he'll just kind of look over and nod. I've struck up conversations with people, kind of, you know, and the light turns green. Okay, which way are you going? I'm going, okay, where are you heading out of town? I'll show you a way. Some guy, like... Showed me this excellent back road one time. So yeah, if you're on a motorcycle and you find it, not like that, my man, not like that. But if you, uh, yeah, like sometimes you will strike up conversations with people and you just kind of, you know, huh. yeah. So you just talk, hey, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Out of the four of us in here, I figured you'd be the one that would control a room in that way. Well, okay. well, well, thanks, man. That's nice of you to say, but I, I don't know. That scene, and I like that. I can wrestle a crocodile though. He can wrestle a crocodile. Well, we can all do it. Are you saying you would win? Is that, is that what sure. you're trying to say here? <laughs> sure. I Both like, can do cocaine. Because we could okay. wrestle crocodile. <laughs> we just wouldn't win. I like the... He, he, Jeff can dress like a woman. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> He's right now. <laughs> I like some of the stuff when he like looks at his watch and like checks his watch and says, looks up the sun when she's looking at mm-hmm. him and goes, it's 2.20. And she's like, man... That's amazing. Yeah. Like the little things, like he's shaving with the razor. And then when she sticks walks it up. in his belt, and then he's got like the big knife and yeah. he's shaving it. Yeah, that, 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 some of that stuff yeah. is fun. Well, and again, that's why it works because I mean, the, the the main Australian character is trying to play up the stereotype yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's not trying to say uh, these. This is who Australians are. It's trying to say, oh, this is who almost this is who men are. Yeah. Men, men are trying to showboat for, and for it the didn't lady. take itself too seriously. Oh, I think God, that no. was it. That was it too. It was. It was. If it did, it never would have worked. No. Yeah. See, and I think I think a movie. If they Which tried way, I'd, I'd be worried. That, are you about to say that if they did that today? Say it. Say what you. It would take it to, If they did it today, it would probably take it. It to, would take itself too seriously. too seriously. Yeah. 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 It would. Uh, yeah, that's. They what would they try was. too hard because I, I, as Bo said, I think it would be. Worrying about you know don't want to offend anyone, mm-hmm. we have to be really careful, and yeah. then you're just left with a movie that would not be entertaining. Right? Sort of like old Conan, new Conan. We talked about what made the difference, what made the thing, what made. Well, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, this that, but um, I think old Conan didn't take itself too seriously. New Conan, new Conan, new Conan, new Conan, <laughs> dude. I don't know what accent that is. New Tarzan, new Jane. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. what it sounded like. New movie, <laughs> new Conan. Again, these are our best Australian accents today, here, folks. Crikey. <laughs> new, so, new Conan. That's it's, from it's North the, Australia. Yes, mm-hmm. the Canadian part that's of Australia. The, that's right. <laughs> I have to be. Uh, <laughs> I don't I, even know what that means. Gentlemen, I have to run to the office quickly. That's not a euphemism for something, but I just need uh-huh. to leave. I need to leave something in someone's box. (laughs) (laughs) That man is ill. Anyway, that's going to do it for Crocodile Dundee. What, so soon? (laughs) Yeah, well. Well, we got to wrap that up. Uh, It's been a good conversation. Because it's going to take me five hours to edit this thing. (laughs) You're going to be left with about 27 minutes. 27 minutes? That's generous. I'm going to be crying while I'm editing this. Well, that's mm. not you always crying. That's, yeah, I was going to say, you have to listen to us talk. Yes. That's bad enough. All right, that's going to do it for Crocodile Dundee. Uh, where can you reach us? You can reach us at 30podcast.com. 
Um, that way you can. Uh, we got reach a whole bunch Bill of across stuff. the table. You could reach Bill across the table. Yeah. Ooh, oh, ooh, they're holding hands now. Well, you heard it here, folks. We start relationships on the podcast. Um, let's see. What been, would this, your, is, this has been good pod today, which, which, which well. leads to relationships ending off the podcast. <laughs> so, so if we if we shipped the two of you together, what would your name be? Buff. <laughs> which ironically is the French word for beef. So, <laughs> all right. Well, the two of you. <laughs> Relationship together are buff. It'd be about a ton of buff. <laughs> Yikes. All right. Wow. Well then. We have derailed. <laughs> mm. We haven't derailed. We blew the whole train up. Not that we were ever really on the rail. We were never on the rail. It's, it's fair point. Maybe the engine was. So, but so the you're saying maybe the last day, uh-uh. not the best uh, <clears throat> this, was, of mine. this was kind of my worry about recording today, but I figured, what the hell, why not? Let's see what happens. Yeah. And now we know. Apparently, <laughs> now we know. And none of us have had anything to drink. Well, hey. I'm drunk. I, well, that's yeah, true. That's, you know, <laughs> you got to get through the last day of school somehow. Speak folks. for yourself. <laughs> I don't know if you're drunk or doing Jimmy Stewart. I speak for all three of you. <laughs> six there of you, go. though. I have two guns, one for the each of you. <laughs> All right, uh, so you can reach us at 30podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at 30podcast. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash 30podcast. We are on Stitcher, the Satchel Podcast Player, Google Play Podcasts, iTunes, and you can listen to us directly from our website, 30podcast.com. I say we should just get a website for all that information. We have a website for all that information. Well, let's go. I'm just sharing it all with the people. Because sharing is caring. But there's a two Most listeners, times. three listeners. Yes. So whoever we haven't offended at this point. Exactly. Oh, we don't have any Australian listeners, I don't think so. And we're not going. Maybe to. We'll, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 we'll, we'll pick some up after today. It's fine. <laughs> will it's we? Fine. Sure, we will. Next week, join us for the Money Pit. Uh, we're going to be talking about that one. Uh, in the meantime, for Pat, myself, and Boof over here. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Good eye. Good eye.